When you need medical help fast, use NHS 111 online to go from home to an urgent treatment centre. Mr Williams, please come through. Or a pharmacy. Hello, pharmacist will see you now. Or if needed, stay where you are and get a call from a nurse, doctor or paramedic. Get assessed and directed to the right place for you in as little as 90 seconds. Use NHS 111 online. This is Our People Podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hello, I'm Fiona Thompson. I am one of our Trust Communications Officers and I'm very delighted today to be discussing um, with our Directors of Research and Innovation everything that they take care of. So, um, I'll kick off with you, Dr Dipali Farmer. Why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your role with the Trust and also your um, task as our Director of Research. So, I'm Dipali Varma. I'm a consultant ophthalmologist and I have been a consultant for about 15 years for South Tyneside and Sunderland Foundation Trust. Uh, I subspecialize in medical retina, uh, which is a condition which predominantly works uh, with uh, you know, managing and treating patients who have retinal problems, such as ret- age-related macular degeneration and diabetes-related problems. Um, as a director of research, I have been in this role for about approximately three years. I thoroughly enjoy my role and um, I mean within the trust we are a research active organization. Uh, we are at the forefront of modern medicine in terms of clinical trials. So again, um, you know, we can discuss further about my role, uh, but a, a lot of my role is about looking at ensuring uh, that the clinical trials are running smoothly, that the governance systems are in place, uh, that uh, you know, we have our strategy all aligned in terms of national direction. Um, so yes, it, it is a busy role. It sounds extremely busy. And um, Dr Imran Ahmad, you're one of our neonatal consultants and our Director of Innovation. Why don't you tell us both a little bit about those roles? Thanks, Fiona. Uh, uh, my name is Imran Ahmad. I'm a neonatal consultant. I've been a consultant in the uh, South Tyneside and Sundran Trust for just over nine years now. Um, and I've been in this role uh, as a neonatal consultant, but also taken on a consultant lead role in the neonatal unit as well uh, since the last year or so. Um, so I'm uh, one of six within the neonatal consultant team. Uh, I'm also the Director of Innovation for the same time as Dipali has been the Director of Research, which is approximately about three years. And my role really is to um, plan vision and strategy for the innovation uh, side of the Research and Innovation Department. Uh, we are quite fortunate in that we've got a small team uh, which is uh, dedicated for innovation, apart from the larger r team. Um, and we've been making a lot of uh, progress within innovation and I'm hoping to convey that through this podcast today. Very good. Well, we're going to go into a little bit more detail in both parts. Um, so, Dipali, why don't you start off by telling us about your work at Sunland Eye Infirmary and how did you come to work for us here at South Tyneside and Sunland? So, uh, my early training years uh, within ophthalmology were in the Yorkshire rotation um, and then I happened to become a specialist registrar in the Northern Deanery. Um, which is where, uh, you know, as a part of the rotation, you move into the different units within the region. So uh, uh, I was posted at Sunderland Eye Infirmary. And again, that was where I was extremely impressed, you know, by the staff commitment to patients 
by the kind of groundbreaking treatments that we were offering patients here. Um, and pretty much within ophthalmology, uh, you know, we have at Sunderland Eye Infirmary, we're not just at the forefront nationally, but globally. Um, and that was where, as soon as an opportunity to become a consultant came, I was for it. And I was very fortunate that I got appointed in 2008. And you've discussed already a little bit about the kind of things you specialise in. Do you want to describe a little bit more about what the, that involves? So, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm a medical retina specialist and a part of my role is about finding, you know, these new treatments that are coming along for some of these blinding conditions. Um, so, for example, we've got lots of anti-VEGF injections that we do for patients with macular degeneration. Uh, there's a growing unmet need, uh, you know, for dry macular degeneration. So, again, uh, there's a huge pipeline for that. And part of uh, my role as a consultant involves obviously doing clinics, day case stages, uh, but also I'm an active researcher, uh, which is where I, uh, you know, I'm a principal investigator for lots of commercial clinical trials. And this is where uh, I have an opportunity where I get to, um, you know, offer patients new treatments, which would be otherwise, uh, you know, they could only access when they come on the NHS. And we're doing quite a few trials already. I mean, I know that the Infirmary is a super busy place anyway, but we're doing quite a lot of trials at the Infirmary, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. So I, I would like to say that within the country, we're among like the top three busy units as far as clinical trials are concerned. Um, at one point, we might have more than 15 clinical trials that are, are running commercially across a wide range of treatments. So yes, uh, we're a very research active unit. And I know that we're doing some uh, studies on AI and also gene therapy, is that right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, when we say modern medicine, I think at the eye infirmary, we're very fortunate that we get approached by sponsors very much early in the phase of the molecule development. So we are part of some phase two trials for diabetes. Um, and also, uh, you know, we've been part of AI trials, gene therapy, uh, and some of these uh, trials now the treatments are actually available as well which makes us absolutely delighted that you know all the work that goes behind the scenes for a clinical trial to be set up and to be run efficiently is now finding its way to the patients. Mm. Uh, I'm going to come back and ask a kind of wider question about how you both came to work for the NHS but Imran why don't you tell us a little bit about what your work um, involves here in our neonatal unit where we're recording today so there's lots of lots of tuning going in our unit and how did you come to work for here at our trust? Yeah, um, I think um, with with the uh, with most of my training has been in Scotland as a junior doctor, and then I moved to Birmingham to do my specialty training for neonatology. And um, we have a specialist here, um, one of my colleagues, who specialises in cardiology, and that kind of attracted me to come over here. But more also, I had some GP friends here who were in primary care and have uh, been visiting this region for some time but haven't worked here before coming over. Uh, but I like the, uh, the Northeast. It's uh, having been in Scotland, it uh, reminds me of Scotland but also has a little bit of the bit of everything. Yeah, we've got yeah, cities, absolutely. we've got coast, yes, yeah. coastline, we've got countryside. The Northumberland. Um, uh, so there's lots here that's happening, and also the uh, the neonatal unit is uh, is a uh, is an intensive care unit that I wanted to work in. So it all worked out well for me. Um, as for the director of innovation, before they took on the director, we uh, I was a deputy along with Dipali uh, in the innovation, and we've both been looking at innovation and research from inside for a couple of years before we became the directors in each, each uh, area, research and innovation. 
the, the role used to be one person, didn't it? But it's now since been split. So how did that come about and how does it now, does it work better now in practice? Yeah, so what we found out, I think uh, Deepal has illustrated very well what research has been doing in this trust and how we're doing so, uh, so well compared to other trusts. And we know, we found that innovation was also had the capacity to improve alongside research. And we would like projects um, which are innovative to feed into research and we do some more original research as well as the stuff that we're doing. Uh, so we found that uh, by dividing these roles into each individual uh, directorship that we could take both uh, even further than it's already been going. So you kind of have a little bit more um, resource to be able to look in those areas, but presumably do you feed into each other quite frequently? Oh, absolutely. I think research and innovation work hand in hand. Uh, you can't do one without the other. And like Imrana said, that you know, there's lots of projects which may start as innovation, but then actually need to be validated in the research world. So that's an example where we would be working quite closely together. I think also, I think... Um, you know, as a team, we work, we complement each other really well. So there are times when we need to turn to each other, you know, to try and provide us that kind of insight into, you know, how things are developing within the innovation or research side. Yeah, and to add to that, research has its own history of being uh, within the trust for quite some time, whereas innovation is something fairly new still, even though it's been there for a few years, and this gives us an opportunity to build it to a, a new team within the RNI, which focuses purely on innovation and to help our staff understand what innovation is and to bring in new ideas and um, uh, yeah, and validate these ideas here. And we've been linking in with lots of uh, regional partners for the same reason and, and just gives us a, a, an extra bit of focus. Because we've already recorded podcasts with uh, Claire, Claire Livingston, who is our head of research, mm -hmm. and we've also done one with Mark Taylor, who's our head of innovation. So people can go back and have a listen to those and kind of square it all up between them because uh, they have really busy um, jobs and help pull it all together. But um, how would you kind of describe innovation to somebody perhaps beyond our organisation? Because I always think it's kind of finding solutions and inventing, but I don't know whether that's the right kind of interpretation. Yeah, I know. It's a, it is one of those... Um um, easy to say but difficult to understand kind of <laughs> words, isn't it? I mean, it might um, mean different things to different people. You're absolutely right. Uh, we're not looking for inventions, essentially. I mean, inventions are good, but that's not the sole purpose of innovation. Innovation is something that people are already doing. And I think in some ways research is innovating as well within its own right in terms of trying out new things. Uh, but innovation is also uh, something similar but what we're looking for from people is ideas that um, they may have noticed in their day-to-day -day working practice that they could change and if it's a new thing then we would be interested to know if there's any unmet needs or they think that there is no solution to an, a problem that we are facing we would like to know about those things so any small change in process or um, an idea that people have that could change things is what innovation is about. So we want to keep it as simple as possible. We're not looking for any, you know, inventions or products that are really going to change. But I think uh, small things can also do major changes in, uh, in innovation. But that takes all sorts of different um, forms, doesn't it? So we've done things with um, apps and uh, technology and software and 
uh, like physical games that pe- can get people moving, all sorts of things. So that it's it's not just one thing, is it? It's lots of other things. Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. We've got um, um, some patient-facing clinical stuff. We've got some stuff that has nothing to do with clinical um, engage, you know, um, actual clinical use. Um, so yes, we've got um, the game, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. is one of the things that has come through our patient ambassadors. Uh, which I hope will be very helpful. The uh, ideas come from clinicians, from allied health professionals like um, physiotherapists. Uh, so we are looking for a wide variety of ideas from all groups, including uh, administrative staff, people who are not clinical. We are interested to hear from everybody. But have you got an idea? Give it a try. Yes. Um, um, but we can't do these things without our friends and partners either, can we? So who do we work alongside in terms of our research and innovation? Who do we uh, kind of team up to make these things possible yeah. and give them a bit of a shout out? Sure. So, I mean, if, as far as research is concerned, I think one of the foremost partners for us is the Clinical Research Network, which is the Northeast and North Cumbria. So as we know, the structure of the NIHR, we've got all these clinical research networks. And we work very closely with them because they are the kind of people who provide us funding for the research delivery staff that we have. Um, besides them, obviously, we've got academia, and we've got Sunderland University, Newcastle, Teesside, Durham. So all these people are working very hand-in-hand in terms of projects. And then we've got the big life sciences industry, which is the pharma, which is where all the commercial trials come from. And again, that's quite important because they, uh, you know, there are trials which are running globally where we might be a part of, or there may be trials which they've provided a f- funding and we have our own chief investigators actually coming up with a novel idea and saying, well, I would like to try this. And that puts us in a quite important situation because that has been originated by our investigators, by our staff. And both these um, kind of arms of what we do, they help fund further work, don't they? So it's all about kind of bringing in um, funds that then help us invest into our services, is that right? Yeah, so uh, from an innovation perspective, if I may answer your previous question as well, we work with the Academic Health Sciences Network um, and uh, the uh, universities locally, Sunderland University particularly, we've been working very closely well, with them. Very well uh, surrounded by uh, excellent news. Absolutely, so yeah, so we've got Durham, uh, we've got Northumbria, the Newcastle, James Co- uh, the Middlesbrough, Teesside University. Uh, so we work with all of these universities, uh, not to mention uh, many SMEs, uh, small and medium enterprises that come to us with ideas and they want to do certain things. So we've been working very closely with the universities particularly. Uh, I just wanted to mention the universities often have um, uh, do give up expression of interest, so they're doing something in a specific area uh, which they would like us to present it to our staff, and those are some of the things that I would like uh, viewers who are listening to this um, to be aware of, and we, we do send these out, so please keep an eye out for those things. And coming back to your question about um, ideas coming back from, yes, the university has come with lots of new ideas that we can implement within the trust. It's the same happens with uh, lots of small companies coming to us with uh, new ideas. And then we find clinicians here within the trust, especially in innovation, to match them up. Uh, and so there's a lot of pro- lots of projects going on in this way. In this way. Are there anybody else that we, because you, you're right, you caught up with me with my questions, is there anybody else that we do work alongside that we do need to give a, a mention to? I know that you've kind of taken in a lot of different names and organisations there, but would, is there anybody else that we, we've worked alongside that's worked quite well? 
So I would like to say that, you know, there are patient groups that patient we work group. with, with, you know, and they play a very important role. Uh, you know, we've got like, the, for example, in the retinal world, we've got Macular Disease Society and we've got all these RNIB big charity groups. And they have, again, huge funding potential as well as huge patient support infrastructure in them. And kind of coming back to the funding model, Fiona, I can just say that, for example, from the commercial income that we get, you know, each specialty has a specialty budget, which they can then invest, their staff can go on conferences, which are research relevant, they can use it to invest into a little project, which their staff needs to do. So it, it actually generates a lot of enthusiasm in the staff, it generates a lot of productivity. So there's lots of different aspects to that funding that we get. And that all goes into investing in our patients and the care Absolutely. that they get. Excellent to know. Um, how do you find it works in practice with your job? How do you kind of juggle your clinical work and how do you manage both roles? Because it must be quite tough sometimes to to keep your plate spinning. Yeah, I mean, I, I can say for innovation um, that it's actually quite an exciting. It just gives me a little uh, way out from the <laughs> clinical uh, you know, um, world. Um, although I love my clinical job as well, but uh, but innovation is a kind of a fresh um, approach to new things and it is quite exciting. So I think it kind of uh, works well. Mm, <laughs> works yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure uh, if I will talk about research, which is kind of ingrained into our day-to-day uh, -day okay. clinical so life anyway. So perhaps not as separate for you, Dipali. So actually, uh, you know, I enjoy being an active researcher because for me, uh, you know, my role as a consultant ophthalmologist and as the director of research, I think both roles quite complement each other, I would say. Uh, so for example, through being an active researcher, I actually understand what are the challenges which are being faced by researchers on the ground. Uh, it gives me an opportunity to engage with pharma, and that in turn helps me to do networking. Uh, then I've got the director of research role, which is where the strategy side comes, which helps that knowledge to be used for the strategy. I'm quite fortunate that I was invited to represent the R&D directors for the Northeastern North Cumbria, and I sit on the exec for the clinical research network. So again, that's my way of taking the voice of the region to that platform. So I, I would say, yes, it, it's a busy role together, but they kind of complement each other, which is in my favour. Because both of your uh, teams and um, the work that they do is a, a grown areas for us. They're very much a, a focus on something that I know that um, our leadership are very much behind. Uh, that must be reassuring to you that you know that, you know, that the, the work's going to continue and that you can invest in your team and the projects that you're working on. So what kind of things are we looking at in the future? So from an innovation perspective, you're absolutely right. Uh, there is, um, there is um, at a management level, there is a strong backing for both research and innovation and it forms part of our vision values. Um, what we need to look out for from an innovation perspective is the new strategy document that we are going to be releasing uh, this year. So please uh, look out for that. It's uh, not long, maybe in the next couple of weeks we should have it out. Uh, we're focusing on uh, four aims. One of the aims is um, is to focus a lot more on adoption of innovation and that's where our uh, focus in the next three years so the strategy will cover the next three years um, and we have some uh, objective measures that we have now started to incorporate and I, I want to say that this will uh, this trust in the northeast will be the very first one 
have its own strategy. I know that other trusts are building their own strategies, but we would have released it the first. So we're going to be ahead of the game. Ahead of the Very game, absolutely. Good. Very good. And Dipali, what about your research team? I know that there's you've got research nurses and all sorts of different people. How is that going to develop as we look ahead? So I think it's important to realize that as the research footprint expands, it's very important that we have, you know, make sure our infrastructure is expanding in the same manner. And that means we need more delivery staff, we need more governance in place, because one of the key things about research is it needs to be ethical, it needs to be, uh, you know, robust, and uh, it, the governance system needs to be quite, you know, strong. Uh, so that's where we're hoping that we're going to look at all those aspects in terms of the staff expansion. Um, again, our strategy, our current strategy was up to 2024. So we're going to have a strategy meeting sometime in mid-September where we're hoping to gather all the researchers uh, within, you know, the key researchers within the organization along with the exec. And that's when we will be setting our next strategy again, which is very much in line with some of the new changes that have happened nationally, which will impact us in the coming years. So that's something that's going to be quite important. I think in terms of what next, uh, you know, in terms of clinical trials, we are stepping into this new area of, like we said, artificial intelligence, gene therapy, all very exciting stuff. Um, we're also hoping that we're going to have some big commercial trials that will be you know, we will be one of the key sites. So again, uh, that's all very exciting. Um, and then obviously the whole structure of the NIHR is changing uh, in 2024. So the clinical research networks will be known as research delivery networks. So so this is all Will changing. that make a difference? If, is it just a name or how in practice well, is that going to change? We are fortunate that in the Northeast North Cumbria, we will stay as we are. But it will have a huge impact on some of the other networks because... Of, you know, from the current 15, they're reducing the numbers that will be there. So yes, but it will mean that there will be new, um, probably, funding systems. There will be lots of change, and I think we need to be prepared for that change. And that's what we, we will be working for in the next months to come. That sounds like a busy time ahead for both. How do you see your areas of work help the work that you do here as clinicians? You know, do you do you see the difference that it makes to our patients every day? How does it work in practice? Because I know you've got quite a few projects that kind of link in with your neonatal work. Yeah. Um, and are bigger so innovations as well. Absolutely. And same for you, Dipal, you obviously you're, you're very much hands-on when it comes to research. I think uh, that's what the ultimate gain is, gain is, isn't it? And also that's what we want to see, uh, all the innovations trickling down to our patients and staff. So it makes uh, things easy uh, in terms of um, staff's efficiency and the way they do their work plus then benefits our patients. So that's what we're looking for. Uh, we have uh, certainly have at least three products which have now been into the deployment stage and we're hoping to see a, a difference made not only within our trust but within the region as well. Um, uh, yeah. It must be quite so. satisfying to know that the work that you've done, that you've had a hand in, is actually you know making a day-to-day -day difference in the work that you do, but you know that it carries across to other people as well. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of what we do is clinical research, Fiona. So this is not laboratory. We're talking about clinical. Clinical mm. means it has a direct impact on patients. Um, lots of research we've done has changed the way we provide service delivery, which is quite important to patients. A lot of research we've done has addressed, uh, you know, unmet needs, which could involve, you know, patient safety. It could involve the in terms of patient outcomes. So yes, I think it's all very, very relevant to what we do for our patients. 
Brilliant. Um, and what would you say to any staff that are listening to us, and obviously other people from different trusts as well, what would you say to them if they're interested in finding out a little bit more about both of your areas? Yeah, from, from, from an innovation perspective, please get in touch if you have any idea where you would like to change something. It, it doesn't have to be a device. It can be a process change that you're trying to do within your um, department. Um, please get in touch with, uh, with the innovation team if you've got any gaps that you think but you don't have a solution for. We would be uh, linking in with the universities and other uh, contacts that we have to find solutions for you. Uh, that's one way. The other thing is we will be uh, soon releasing, I forgot to mention this earlier, uh, an ESR module to describe what innovation is. That's, ah, that's so a that's perfect a, answer for that's your a, previous that, yeah, question. That's, that's, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a training platform that yeah. we all use. So it will be a very short um, ESR module to do if you're uh, unsure of what innovation is and how to get in touch with us. So it will be available on the ESR. Uh, you'll be glad to know it's man not mandatory, but I would like <laughs> the uh, listeners to, to try it out. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be sending comms out as soon as it's ready so people can yeah. go and um, refresh mm. themselves. And I know that I worked alongside your team to do a little bit of a guide too, uh, which is going to feature in our, um, in our Trust magazine, uh, but we'll probably share that in other places as well. And it's just kind of like 10 tips to get your idea from start to finish. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll be a help and just kind of explains a little bit more about how straightforward it can be. It can be a bit of a process, I think, because it's got to go through I mean, all of the hoops, but Yeah, it it's really hard work. I mean, sometimes when it's a very brand new idea, you know, that nobody knows about, it does take a long time to, or uh, hard work to get things. Uh, mm. As long as the innovator or the person who comes with the idea is motivated, the innovation team is uh, perfectly happy to help them. And some of the other things we are trying, we will be doing in the near future is having dedicated time available for uh, staff to approach the innovation team. Rather, you know, you know we have the right ideas email address, but at the same time we want someone to be available uh, on a specific given time. So that's something that we will be uh, trialing out uh, in the near future. Uh, so people with any questions can just um, ring up the unit or um, dial up on Teams um, to get some help. Very good, like a drop-in or... The like a drop-in <laughs> session, absolutely, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. You definitely yeah. have to have some treats alongside just to <laughs> make sure that everybody's well-fed and watered. Um, and Dipali, what about anybody who's interested in getting into research? Is it is it a good chance to kind of develop your career differently? Is it quite time-consuming? So, so Fiona, for research, uh, there's lots of things out there. Uh, you know, we've done the QR codes uh, in all our research active areas and this is where patients and staff can now scan a series of these QR codes uh, to find out what studies are open to recruitment uh, and when they scan the code it obviously links them to the trust intranet so there's a lot of information there. Uh, besides that, uh, you know, we've got posters displayed across the trust, we've got research drop-in sessions where our staff can come and ask more about research. Uh, we did a big event which was read for research where as you know all the uh, monuments uh, within the you know Sunderland area turned red and that was very well publicized and well received by our patients and staff um, so you know we celebrate the International Clinical Trials Day every year um, and those are some of our initiatives I mean besides that obviously uh, for mm -hmm. encouraging for example doctors in training to become go to that next level we've got an associate PI scheme uh, which we are part of and then what does that mean sorry so 
for example, what happens is generally uh, when you have a principal investigator of a clinical trial, they kind of are the lead, the local lead for the trial. And generally, there has been a trend in the past that it's always the consultants taking on these kind of roles. But now there's a new scheme which is called the Associate Principal Investigator Scheme, where you could have a lead PI, but you have an associate PI, and this is an excellent opportunity for doctors in training to take on this role, so which is like a transition, so that when they become a consultant, they've already done it. Uh, so, so that's there. Um, and then we've got the NMAP Research Program, which is a huge success. Uh, this year, you know, we've had internships and we've had very successful candidates which were celebrated in our recent, uh, you know, awards event. And then we've got this uh, Excellence in Research Award category, as you know, in the Trust Recognition, um, which was, uh, you know, very well deservedly won by the ICCU team. Um, so again, uh, loads of uh, opportunities for staff. For patients, obviously, we have patient research ambassadors who work quite closely with patients and we have something called the press which is the participant uh, research experience survey and we were kind of the second highest in the region and I think we had improved our performance by 400 uh, percent and we were a case study by the Northeastern North Cumbria Clinical Research Network so huge success on different platforms. Oh, fantastic and I know that when we spoke to Claire about her area of work as um, our head of research she explained very thoroughly about how we support patients through and you know, sometimes they become ambassadors and then support other people uh, through the process because uh, we really couldn't do the research that we do without the patients. But equally, there's a very robust process that they go through to make sure that they're supported and, you know, informed and things. Oh, absolutely. It's a proper, like a mini training program. Yeah. Uh, but they themselves, these are of usually people who've been part of research themselves. So they understand the journey and they're very keen to involve other patients. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really interesting. Thank you for giving us an insight into it. I know that when we were kind of preparing to record this, I asked you both about how you, your kind of journey into coming to the NHS. So, because you're both originally from India, yes. but very different places. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you kind of drew you as we kind of wrap up, drew you to work for the NHS um, and what brought you to? Yeah, to for, for me, um, it was just the way the NHS works, the ethos of the NHS, you know, free at um, the point of delivery, uh, and not not having to think about money mm. while you're treating your patients, uh, it just gives you a little bit of freedom to do uh, the right thing. Uh, that's one of the things for the NHS. But I also had family here, uh, especially in Scotland. Um, so uh, once I finished my degree, I just uh, came over to get more training, and I've stayed <laughs> after the training. Um, so yeah. Oh, good. And Dipali, what kind of brought you to? become part of the NHS? So I was actually a trained ophthalmologist in India. I, I did my post-graduation in the All India Institute of Medical Sciences, which is quite a prestigious institute for the for India. And at that point, I think it was just about going for further studies and you know, learning a different way of system. Um, so that's what brought me to this country. Um, but just looking at the way the system is so organized, the way we manage patients so ethically, uh, you know, everything put together, you know, the opportunities, uh, I think I think that was the turning point for me and I just stayed back. Mm -hmm. It continues to be an attractive thing for, um, uh, you know, people uh, from other countries to come and work in the NHS and I hope it remains. Yeah. What do your um, friends and family think when you talk about being part of the NHS when you talk, talk to your loved ones? 
I, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, people don't uh, realize until you know you don't have it. It's sort of uh, the family we have in, in the UK. Um, it's just the norm, isn't it? Uh, it's only people from the outside that start to appreciate what 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 they don't have or what the system is like. Of course, there are um, you know pluses and minuses in every system. And we're not saying the NHS is hundred percent fantastic, but there are others. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, I think my mom's really proud. <laughs> she, she's really proud of me, and and she, I think she's fascinated by the fact that we can provide such a comprehensive care to our patients, um, and uh, you know how from the point of whether it's screening or you know there's so much emphasis done on patient care and patient safety. And how did you find how did you find it when you first moved to Britain? Was it how did you take to the culture? Because I imagine you know. There's lots of things that you just would never expect. Because I know that you, you you've been you moved to Manchester, is that right? Yeah, no, I landed in Manchester actually. That's where where I started my journey in the UK. But I was ex- uh, supposed to go to Glasgow. Um, yeah, I found the accent quite. Uh, <laughs> it can be a bit challenging across it the country, yeah. can't we? And um, having worked in Kirkcaldy as uh, one of the toughest uh, uh, accents, but I got on well with the. Mm. With, uh, with everyone and I don't seem to have any problems uh, understanding at least, yes. <laughs> what about you, Dipali? So I, I started my initial uh, role in Le- in the Leeds area and I think love and duck was definitely <laughs> something, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, but I think um, I enjoyed myself because it's it's always very rich to work in a different environment. You learn so much and you, in the process, give so much. Uh, so I think it was an enjoyable experience. Yeah, yeah from the, from that what you've mentioned, the love uh, and duck thing. Mm. I remember Baron was the one that got caught. Oh, Baron. Baron is is for the child, isn't it? They yes. use that word. But they use that in Scotland, Scotland as well as Scotland. Yes, yeah, so it was the first time I heard it in Scotland in Kirkcaldy. Mm. Baron, I wasn't uh, sure what uh, <laughs> was mm, no? people were talking about. Mm. And we do have a very um, uh, successful uh, background in recruiting internationally as well and it just makes us such a, a diverse and fantastic organisation and just a fascinating place to work because I always love to find out what people, wherever they come from, what's your journey into your role and I know that when we were talking about this beforehand like I was just fascinated by the fact that you know, you'd know wanted to come and work for the NHS and there were reasons for that and it was internationally how, how it's viewed and it's just really interesting. I kind of get a totally different perspective on things. When I really, with that, you know, I've grown up with it, and it's been a part of my life forever. I think we are fortunate. Uh, the Indian education system and some of the stuff is very similar to the UK, or at least used to be, mm. um, which means that um, English is not alien to us, uh, which helps. I just want uh, the listeners to focus on anything that they're doing innovative, which they are. I know that there is a lot of innovation going on within the trust. Uh, and um, as an innovation team, we don't want to be obstructive with the innovations that are going on, but want to help them uh, bring it to the attention of the wider trust and the region. Um, so we'll certainly help them. And this was evident when the awards uh, uh, were uh, nominated, especially the Trust Awards, and we had uh, about 13 entries, all fantastic That's entries, good, and all of it? that that yeah. is going on within the Trust, and I, I know that more is going on. Yeah. We yeah. would like to hear about that. Yeah, and I know that our research team do a fantastic job of reaching out to people and supporting our colleagues through, so I'm sure that will be the same as we move on.
Yeah, Fiona. The only thing I just want to add is that I think research is very integral to good patient care. It should be a part of our day-to-day -day work. Mm. It's not something which is done by academics. It's all of us for us to do, be part of it. And there's lots of literature out there to support that organizations or people who are research active are at the forefront of medicine. Uh, so that's just what I want to leave. And there are high staff satisfaction rates when you're part of research. I think that's a really good note to finish on. Thank you so much to you both for joining us. Thank you Thank so you much, Fiona. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.